Oh my god. Where on though? Oh, Robbie, you want me to put Robbie Williams? And welcome to Down the Robbie Hole, the podcast where we look into just why Robbie Williams is the strangest figure in British pop music. I'm Matthew. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan. And we'll be having a bit of a departure from our normal formula this week, where we look at a solo Robbie Williams album. This time we'll be looking at the album Progress by Take That. Now, um, this is the first album that Robbie Williams did with Take That, since he broke up with them in the 90s. And then Take That reformed in 2005 without him, but in 2010 they made this album together. Their first album in years as a whole five-piece unit. Now the thing about this podcast is myself and John look into the context of the album, the background of it, the behind the scenes of it, and the various antics that Robbie Williams was getting up to at the time. But Nathan can only listen to the music, watch the videos, and read the lyrics. Yeah, did, did that again. But um, Yeah, I, I listen to all the stuff. Um, interesting, I'd say. It's not anywhere near what I expected. And yeah. There was some stuff on there that I didn't realise that I did know and was take that. Um the one thing I will say, like early doors, is uh, musically wise. Like when we get quite into it, I think it's less interesting. Robbie because he doesn't have the creative influence that he does on his own stuff. We'll talk about the creative influence stuff. because yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. how the album comes together. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not saying he has no creative influence. You might you might turn around and tell me he does, but obviously it's just not the same as a solo album. Like mm. before we get into the music, it's just it's not the same. Oh, and of course, one thing we'll be touching on before the album is the non-album single, Shame, which is yeah. very important for this yeah. whole story. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we've spoken a bit in previous episodes about how in 2005, there's this documentary that airs that all of the members take part in, but what happens is that it ends with uh, the four non-Robbie members meeting at this hotel, um, and it's kind of, there's this anticipation of, oh, is Robbie going to turn up? And he doesn't, but he has a video message for them. And then a couple weeks after that documentary airs and is successful, there's a press conference to take that announce they're coming back to tour. Uh, the initial plan is that it's just like a reunion tour, they're just going over their greatest, but that soon morphs into them um, fully recording new albums, new material, uh, some of their most successful material ever. They have songs like Shine, um, Greatest Day, things like that. Uh, and they start meteorically rising as Robbie starts falling. Uh, they release the album The Circus as Robbie releases Rootbox, so they go up, Robbie goes down pretty much. The Circus Live is one of the most successful uh, tours of British music history take that really on top of the world while Robbie Williams is kind of going downhill it seems like I think the, f- the first album did you mention Beautiful World? I did mention Beautiful World no. I think Beautiful World is their first album they put together after they it is yeah did I say the circus was you said the first? circus yeah, yeah. Oh. sorry uh, but uh, it doesn't matter that much that, yeah basically so yeah it doesn't matter that much instead of the circus imagine Beautiful World bada bang bada boom um but yeah so and also I'd say Beautiful World and the circus ended up having tracks in them that are kind of considered classics even now like stuff like Shine and Patience is that stuff oh, really holds up is that like non-Robbie take that yeah yeah I didn't know that Patience yeah. is good Patience is really good and I love Shine which as we touched in the last episode is literally a I hate Robbie Shine Williams. Oh, come I on. fucking hate oh, it. Oh, come on. I wish it would fuck off forever. Come honestly. on. Honestly. If I have to hear it one more time played over like a fucking charity montage, I'm going I'm I'm going to dismantle all charity. Right, just because you watch special promotion tapes of Morrison's advert strung together end on yeah. end. Yeah. Like oh, ugh. Uh so to give kind of the exact story of how the reunion happens, um Robbie first meets up with all of Take That again, uh, at a hotel after they perform in May two thousand six. Uh it's 
it's kind of a casual meetup. They kind of just hang out for an hour or so, like reminisce about old times. But there's still a lot of tension there. Uh, kind of Gary Barlow still holds a lot of hatred towards Robbie because Robbie has obviously been fairly disparaging about Gary in the years since they broke up. He's criticized him multiple yeah. times in songs, and they didn't break yeah. up. They didn't break up on good terms anyway. Like Robbie yeah. was essentially kicked out for not behaving as he should for being part of a band. Um, so they have that meeting and nothing comes of it. It's kind of just leaving me up to say hello to each other. Then in 2008, Take That are coming to LA to record The Circus and this is just meeting with Robbie. Um, they do, and it's kind of another meeting they set up as like a friendly, Ooh, let's just get together and talk again. Uh, but it's even more awkward this time when Robbie says that he can't make eye contact with Gary at this thing because there's just too much unresolved tension between them. Uh, after this meeting, they kind of suggest, well, let's meet again and hash it all out. And they do, they kind of get together, they purge all their demons, talk about all their issues with each other, all their frustrations. Uh, and they get over it. Like Robbie said, at this point he stops feeling like shame and anger over his time and take that. He said it was kind of ashamed of it, like he saw it as a blot on his career. But he has this meeting and realizes that, you know what, they were good together and because it ended on bad terms doesn't mean that it they was should. Bad. Yeah. Um, at this point, Robbie also gets a take that tattoo to commemorate. He obviously has a lot of tattoos and he gets to take that one at this point. Okay. Uh, he, he says that, like. Oh, you're going to say No, that. go ahead. Okay. He said that. It was for the second time they met up. So they met up once. He decided, okay, right, let's do it. He gets like a tattoo and then meets up, shows it to all of them, and they immediately all say, oh, what a knockhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Which he said, no, he said it felt like a, like a funny sort of camaraderie kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, so he got this sort of. The Take That logo is actually cool. Like, I didn't even realize how cool it was. It's a T on top of a, like, it's a T with another T upside down on top of it. Okay. It's cool. It's nice. All right. But, um, yeah, they were just, he showed off this thing and they were like, well, what an bad Like, after not working with them since 1995, yeah. he gets tattooed and after meeting them again once. But it was, it was yeah, all fun. Yeah, that's great. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, so then in summer 2009, Gary is in LA. So Robbie invites him to his house for a quiz night. And at this night, they suggest to start writing together again. Uh, so they go to Gary's house in Malibu to do so. Uh, which kind of, it really sets the ball for the ball, the ball rolling for them to start working together again. Uh, and the first song they write together is Shame, which, as we said on last week's episode, is included as a single for Robbie's second greatest hits album. Uh, which, should we talk about it now? Yeah. Yeah. This uh, it's is a really good song. This yeah. track's kind of beautiful, yeah. I can't lie. I, I, again, wrote, is this a cover or something? Because I just know it so mm. well. Like, I know it word for word. Well, it's not a cover. But it does have uh, elements from a Beatles track. Okay. It, um, the opening of it is uh, sort of the same as the opening of Blackbird by Paul McCartney. He wrote okay. that on the Beatles album, the White Album. And it's weird because I don't think there's much else in the song that really reminds me of like Blackbird. But it has that opening, and so like part of the writing is like credits Paul McCartney. This it it's just really nice, isn't it? It really it's a is. Very very good chorus. Yeah, yeah it's so good. I, I, even just like what it's about and tied with the video like it, the general idea of the video of like you know like we had years where we just hated each other for no real reason that it, like no no serious reason you know what I mean like I didn't kill anyone like and like the shame of having to deal with that and like you know what it's nice when people are friends it's yeah. it is one of the songs where they claim it was composed and written in an hour yeah, fuck off. Yeah. I think it's... I, st I fully believe that's true. Yeah, I course. fully believe that's true. But it's also nice that, obviously, besides the McCartney interpolation, it is a song that is just written by Robin Gary. 
which yeah. I love that. That is really nice. Yeah, it, all, it is a really nice duet as well. Yeah, their yeah. voices harmonise so well. It's like, oh man, we're missing that for years. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's really good. I think it's a genuinely like beautiful musical and pop cultural moment. Yeah, because it was that, well known in the press. The, that's the main thing. Like, yeah. it's a big mm. cultural moment. Yeah, those guys really despise each other. They had nothing good to say about each other, but now like. I think the chorus sentiment is so beautiful. It's almost instructional, saying like, "What a shame we never listened." I told you through the television, and then this beautiful that, line. That told you through the television line is so good. Every sing- the melody yeah. throughout this entire track, every single little melodic thing they do is so sticky and good, and that's why it sticks in your head so yeah, well. Yeah. It's so well written. Uh, besides the dud, there is a particular dud that we do get to, but I think what, that- what's the dud? It's the Toys R Us bit. I, d- I can't remember which one you're on about. So um, Robbie says uh, very truthfully and honestly, like. So I got busy throwing everybody underneath the bus. Yeah, yeah. And Gary falls with, and with your poster 30 foot high at the back of Toys R Us. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it's just like, it's like when Kanye has that line in Wolves about, like, you left your fridge open and someone just took a sandwich. Like, <laughs> having Toys R Us in this song is just such an insane thing to have in any song. It also yeah. suggests that Gary's spending a lot of time in Toys R Us. You'd be, oh my god, no, I have no. a Gary Toys R Us story coming up. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Insane. I... I read the line as the poster is like on a billboard outside Toys R Us. Do you know what the actual bu- meaning of that lyric is? Well, I mean, you're going to tell me, sir. It's it's actually <laughs> so messed up. So, in an interview with Pop Justice, they directly asked Robbie, because, let's be real, there is no way Gary Barlow wrote that lyric. That yeah. is absolutely <laughs> a Robbie word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, they asked him, what is the Toys R Us line of shame about? And he said, it, it was in another song I'd written, to be honest with you. It's from a completely different other song he'd written. <laughs> yeah. And this song lovely. was called Reality Killed the Video Star. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And you know how I mentioned, I'm not sure it got cut, but a couple episodes back, I talked about he tracked down like this girl I used to know from Stoke on Trent on Friends Reunited, brought her back to LA, hung out, and it didn't work. That song's about that. Okay. So he says, like, it was another song that I'd written, to be that honest. That makes the title make a lot of sense. Like, Reality Kills the Video yeah. Star. Yeah. That. Makes the title even better of the last episode. And he does actually eventually release that track, so we'll get on to oh, that later. Oh, cool. Right? Yeah. Good. So he says, so to be honest, it wasn't a different song. I just thought it was a good line. The song was about a girl I was in love with when I was 16 and Sliding Doors moment, which, considering the body's performance, I don't know. But Sliding Doors moment, your life changes and you go down different paths and she became who she became and I became who I became. And I found the actual original line from that one, which was, you won't get over me, it's impossible to do. I'll be on the TV again and on the radio soon. My face will be 30 foot high on the back of that bus, and on my poster they'll spray knobhead at the back of Toys R Us. So he sort of compressed those into that, which at the same time, all I can see it meaning is Gary commenting on Robbie having more fame than him, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there are ways to do that without bringing Toys R Us into it. Leave them out of it. But um, otherwise, I think that the lyrics on this are fantastic. Some of the best that yeah. Robbie and Gary have ever spoken. And yeah. the line, all that went away was the price we paid. My God, that's so clever. It, it, it makes you want to like, call up people and be like, hey, it's been years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's good. And the ending of the chorus with, um, people spend a lifetime this way, and that's how they stay. What a shame. It's almost like instructional. Like, hey, yeah. you don't want to end up like we were for years. Yeah, exa- exactly. That's why it's so good. Like, it's, 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 it's brilliant. It is genuinely It's brilliant. really good. Yeah, it's, yeah. It just makes me smile thinking about it just because of how sincere and beautiful and good it is. Yeah. It's heartwarming. Yeah, so this track is another Trevor Horn track who obviously produced all of reality love last Trev. week. Yeah, we love Which, Trev. again, it has a string section in it. It just sounds amazing. Uh... It is the single for Robbie's Greatest Hits. It's really well received by critics. It seems a big moment. Everybody loves it. People are really excited about it. 
Uh, it does only get to number two in the chart, so it's another one that's held off by number one. This time by Forget You by CeeLo Green. You can see why, to be fair. That's yeah, much. that song yeah. was massive. Yeah. That song was genuinely massive. Uh, but it did get a music video as well, and the video is quite interesting, I think. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird. I mean, yeah. I like it, but it's slightly strange at points. Well, because... It, so a lot of the video is like it starts with Robbie and Gary separated and over the course of the video they start getting, getting back together and it has this kind of Americana setting which, and it seems like another critic's picked up on this it's obviously playing with Brokeback Mountain I wrote yeah. Brokeback down yeah. yeah that's what I wrote down yeah uh, specifically the fishing stuff and then the yeah. stuff at bars where they sing together they have these, like, very Brokeback they things. have these lingering looks at each other there's obviously like romantic tension meant to be in the video they don't go all the way there's no like kissing or anything yeah you kind of wish yeah I watched it I was yeah. like I want to see the shag now <laughs> when they started stripping I thought it was going to happen yeah. I actually I, can't, I ship Robbie and Gary now like that's fully <laughs> a thing in my head now but yeah, I, I think the video is good that it plays on that, though. Yeah. yeah. It's weird to be playing on that in 2010 mm-hmm. when Brokeback well, to again, 2006 It speaks release. to Robbie's sexuality and the, all, all the questions about it. Yeah. yeah. I, there's actually a behind-the-scenes documentary about the making of this music video that I found. I just watched it this morning. That's kind of what I was really. Yeah. But um, they talk about, they sort of joke about it, saying like, yeah, I, I've heard word they're going to make us look gay in the video. I hope they don't do that. There's going to be I'm going to have a strong word about that. And then Gary <laughs> chimes in, well, I wouldn't mind. I don't really have a problem with that. And then Robbie does like effeminate limp wrist and go, well, I wouldn't mind anyway. Which is like, Robbie, come on. But um, they, it's actually shot in the same part of San Fernando Valley where the porn industry was big in the 70s. So it's literally where Boogie Nights is set. Um, there's also, um, uh, oh, okay. So the Toys R Us story. So, I mentioned before that I had another um, Toys R Us story related to Gary Barlow. And, uh, Which is a frankly ridiculous statement to say out loud. But... <laughs> so, um, oh, this is so cool. This is a bit from Gary Barlow's autobiography. He said, Nigel, their manager, did a deal to make Take That dolls, but when I went to Toys R Us in Chester, there wasn't one of me. Have you got any Gary Barlow's left, I asked. Well, no, we haven't, said the assistant. You have to buy a Mark, a Howard, a Jason, and a Robbie doll. Then you collect the coupons and get a Gary for free. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, that that's a nice little story there. But, um... That's <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but the, um... The behind-the-scenes thing, um... Also has, like, a weird part where, like... Obviously, whatever they're talking about in their conversations isn't audible because it's a music video. But Robbie um, decides with Gary when they sit on a rock what they're going to be talking about. And he says, what I'm thinking is, we're here and we were messed with by our teacher. Which is an insane path to go down to for like that kind of conversation thing. Yeah. But yeah, so it seems like in canon they're talking about uh, shared childhood trauma. <laughs> Just what all music videos should be about, if you ask me. Oh, the part where, like, Robbie puts down his shot glass in time to the percussion and then say, so I, like, got busy throwing everybody underneath the bus. The timing of that is perfect. Like, this, yeah. I was t- talking to John, whatever it's shot on, it's an Ari something, you can see the behind the scenes. It's legitimately cinematic quality good. Yeah. The video looks amazing. Yeah. I think it might be one of the first videos that isn't 360p on YouTube as well. Yeah, it was the first one that was actually 10... Because the annoying thing is, right, that In and Out of Consciousness collection, celebrating 20 years of Robbie Williams's career... That is the reason why pretty much every Robbie Williams video is like 4A max. Because all the videos are released online to commemorate that. And they just haven't released any updated versions. Yeah. Which is really frustrating because some of the videos, like, imagine getting a full HD rock DJ. Yeah. Well, That'd I mean, be really cool. You get hints of it sometimes, like, 
when the X Factor performance we talked about last week, like it, it's HD footage of the videos they show and like the announcing oh. thing for that, and it's just like you really wish you could see them properly. Yeah, I mean, didn't they say they were maybe reshooting the Rock DJ video? Oh yeah, well, we'll which yeah. would be great. That's gonna be. Uh, I don't insane. know. But again, they just said it's a maybe, but I really hope. Yeah, that, happens, yeah. It would, that would be great. If that I wonder happened. if he's gonna like do it like for real. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to see his real inside of his ass. Hell yeah. Really go down the Robbie Hart. Silento moves. <laughs> um, okay, okay, okay. Um, Is it time to hold back the flood or we got a preamble? Well, we saw, are we done talking about Shame, do we think? I have nothing else to say on it. There's a performance of Shame on Strictly that was kind of like a debut thing where like it was the first time people were seeing Robbie and Gary perform together since like 1995. And that sounds like a huge British TV moment. It, 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 like weirdly, on Strictly. It felt, uh, it should have been on the X Factor, I think. It is interesting, it's on Strictly, because isn't Gary on X Factor at that point? I don't. Oh, I don't think he's on by that point. I think he's on a bit. I feel later. like he might be. I think it's around 2011. He's. We need to check. But this oh, was I guess 2010. It's maybe a couple anyway. of years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I don't think Gary was like a judge mm-hmm. at that point. Oh no, he was judging from 2011 onwards. Yeah. So yeah, this is before then. But Robbie and Gary are in suits and they're sat in the middle of like the dancing stage, uh, on this little raised plinth thing, and they sing at each other and it's very heartfelt and like funny and like they. Sort yeah. Of at, at one point, Robbie though kind of sounds the mood a little bit by just going. Meep, 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 into the microphone, which I, again, it's like a classic Robbie thing where uh, every in every instance where you think Robbie's like doing something normal, it's like entropy. He yeah, inevitably it, will it, do something insane. It's coming, yeah. Yeah. So he he and I feel bad for Gary because Gary would never dream of doing that. But um, yeah, beautiful song. We've all agreed it's like beautiful, yeah. very good song. Yeah. Yeah. So Shame was released twenty uh, seventh August twenty ten. Big hit. Uh, people are really excited about it. Um. At this point, it has already been announced that Williams will be returning to take that. That's announced in July 2010. So this comes out a couple of months after that. Uh, they meet up um, and start recording secretly in the run-up to and slightly after the release of Reality Killed the Video Star. So it was already in the works when that album came out in 2009. Uh, there's a documentary that was released in 2010 called Look Back, Don't Stare, which is a feature-length hour and 40-minute documentary. It's in black and white for some reason. I mm. think it's just like meant to be like serious and artistic, so they put it in black and white. Is uh, it shot in black and white, or has it just been like color? It looks like it's just been converted to black. Yeah. And yeah. There's no way they had access to like Kodachrome. Like no, they it, it's like tons of cameras in one room at a time. They definitely didn't shoot. Yeah, okay. yeah it's just, <laughs> just it's entirely. Cameras, yeah. Like because Spielberg had to get that stuff made for Schindler's List. I don't know if Take That had that amount of leverage. Mm, yeah, I doubt uh, it. <laughs> but the documentary basically follows their first section sessions back together for progress this album. Uh, interestingly, it, it it wasn't a given thing that Robbie was going to join. Like they start recording together, they start work on the flood and writing it, and Robbie drops out at one point. I think in early twenty ten, like he just says, like, "I've changed my mind. I don't want to do it anymore." And he eventually changes his mind back. But it's interesting. You see, like a lot of the other members are very skeptical about Robbie rejoining. They're like, "Well, it'd be nice if he did, but like we don't want him to ruin this or really set us back." Yeah. Um, but he does eventually rejoin. Uh, Robbie says it was kind of the perfect time to be something other than Robbie Williams. I think the impact of Rudebox is still felt mm-hmm. on him, even though reality does pretty well. Uh, and he says it just so happened to take that on massive at the time, so it's kind of a blessing for him that he could be part of this really big machine. And you kind of get the impression that after Rudebox, he had, he did definitely have shakiness with returning to the limelight and especially performing live. We obviously spoke about that X Factor performance last week, Grace kind of shaky in it. And I think the opportunity to be part of something rather than just have all the attention directed to him was kind of necessary for him to get back to being a real pop star. Um, 
So they start recording progress uh, in 2010. They apparently at this point debated changing the name to the English. Terrible. Which idea. would be a terrible decision. What, the band yeah. name. Yeah. I don't know if they would if they would just like change the five piece name to the English. So take that could continue being the four piece. But that they say that in the documentary, I think. That's so bad. Yeah. We're the English. Um but yeah, so it's... Are they all English? Yeah. Yeah, okay. For sure. It'd be funny if like they one. One of them's just like Irish. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they get together and they record the album Progress, which releases in November 2010. So, uh, I guess, oh, cover talk. I actually really like this cover. Yeah, it's yeah, really same. cool. Yeah. Same. I also saw their next album is Progressed, and it's like a play on that. Well, we'll talk about yeah. that a bit yeah. later. Yeah. I didn't listen to that one, I just saw it as I was scrolling to select this album. I was like, oh, yeah. it's an inverted colour scheme, it's called Progressed. Cool, mm-hmm. whatever. So it's like a riff on the image of, you know, uh, the the posture of like a monkey evolving to the upright stance of a man. Yeah, is, is Darwin, do you that right? Is Darwin's evolutionary story? Yeah, it's like a Darwin yeah. sort of diagram. But um, each of the five stages are a member of Take That and Another Five Piece again. And the final one is a man sort of flying in the sky, sort of ascending to some sort of higher being state. It looks great. It's yeah. a really clever thing that it's works in every re- level. It's bright yellow as well. It's a really mm. striking. Yeah, especially compared to their previous two album covers, which were very genteel, yeah. like them walking mm-hmm. in the desert, them tightrope walking in the yeah. sky. This, this is very abstract. It, it's a good. Yeah, I really like the cover. Hundred percent. I think it works. The album too. It's yeah. sort of. It's yeah. very. It feels very electronic and synthetic. The cover does. Yeah. They they definitely try to keep that aesthetic throughout the whole era as well. We'll yeah. talk a little bit about the touring they do, but it reflects the album cover as well. I had no idea that was coming with this album, like a real electronic mm. feel and vibe. Mm. I just didn't see it coming at all. It's well, interesting. Also, the album title. Um, you know, it's the word progress. You can't really think too much about that. But combined with that cover, genius. Yeah. Yeah. It all works so well. I think the, the name works well. It's progress, isn't it? We, yeah, we so have got Robbie, Robbie back. Like, we've made progress. Yeah. yeah. So, should we get into it then? The Flood. Track one, The Flood. Uh, this is just a great... Yeah, I, I, this, again, this... We spoke about this earlier, like, me and John, before you arrived. This is sort of the age where we become aware of music. Yeah. Like, when we're growing up. And, like, yeah, I, I knew this song as a kid. I, like, this song is is really good. I, I knew the video as well. I'd mm, seen it on TV. Yeah. I grew up in a kind of a take that family. So like yeah, I, I didn't. But... On like Barnacle.com, looking by, oh, they've got new water ones now. My mum would be on the eye and like listening to like the 2006 like take that yeah. album and stuff. I, but I remember when this came out, this was an album that my parents would play like a lot around the house. Okay. So I'm familiar with like a lot of this stuff. But The Flood, I remember just, it's incredibly memorable. The video, the song, it felt like a big important song even then, not really knowing the context behind the fact that Robbie coming back was a huge thing. Yeah, it also starts with him singing, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Which yeah. is exactly how you should start your yeah. album when you're bringing someone back. It's be like, he's here, he's singing, it's good. Uh, so this song is, is obviously about, as a lot of this album is, it's about Take That coming back together. Uh, they've described the flood as kind of a metaphor for the outside forces that drove them apart. Stuff like the press, the obsessive fans, all yeah. things like that. I It's just really good. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's hard to say anything because it's just great. It, it's every single element of it, like the verses, the chorus, the pre-chorus, the bridge, like every single element of it is dumbass good. It does this interesting combination of sounding both acoustic and maximalist electronic mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, there's some really interesting synth stuff. The drums are really like like drum machiney. Yeah, but they feel organic too. It, it's just a huge song that everyone knows. The chorus is massive, massive, yeah. massive. It definitely went to number one, right? Uh, we'll get on to that in a second. Yeah, I was just gonna say there's there's one thing we've spoken about off podcast it's one of my favourite things this song can do that this song does 
which is a kind of a very casual, subtle offhand drop of the album title or the song title in a song. Yeah. And this one has one of that. There's a line, there's progress now. Doesn't draw any attention to it, but I just... Yeah. It's like yeah. really not the Capri pointing thing. You just... Yeah, whenever you like, hear it, just... Yeah. <laughs> I am the wolf of Wall Street. I love the part where he says that. Yeah, it's really weird he says that in the middle of uh, Once Upon a Time, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm really feeling like the Revenant right now. But... Uh, Fuck that. <laughs> but... Um, the writing of this track is actually very interesting. Because I always assumed, right? Take That is Gary writing pretty much everything and the rest of the band just sort of being along for the ride. Watching the behind-the-scenes interviews where they talk about how each track came together, you realise, wow, Take That are a cohesive songwriting unit. They all chip in. I think uh, kind of the main writers are Gary, Robbie, and Mark Owen. Yeah. And then Jason Orange and Howard Donald are still there and they still contribute, but they just don't have as much songwriting expertise. But you see them, they are all in the room. Uh, in the documentary where they're doing the session for this album, you can even see them arguing about it. There's, I don't know what song it is, but there's a line that Robbie really likes in one of his songs. And Jason Orange is kind of like, yeah, but the rest of the song is about us. And at this point, it becomes about you. And you see them, like they just disagree on it and one of them walks out the room. So there was tension in it, but they were clearly all part of a unit, you know, trying yeah. to work this out. You need tension within a creative unit yeah. still. Yeah. Like they talk about it like um, each, they, they sort of credit each other with different parts and they keep on talking about the progress, eh, the progress of the tracks from the demo versions and talking yeah. about like how they worked them for ages. So like, say for example, Gary says that like, um, he came up with a really nice bridge melody that he wanted to use in this track. And I think it might have been maybe... Howard, who came up with an alteration where it's like that bit where it really climbs, and the more you listen to these interviews, you more realize, wow, on like the lyrical fronts and the actual melodic, like the melody stuff, the songwriting fronts, every member has a little bit they're helping out with, which really surprised me. But um, of course, there are some parts in this album that you can really see Robbie stamp on, like one hundred percent. There's some really obvious parts, but this track, um, well, I think that's 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 what interesting. What's interesting about it is that. A lot of it doesn't sound like a typical Take That album. Like yeah. the previous two albums, a lot of it is stuff like Shine and uh, Patience. They're all, they are like fairly generic pop Take That songs. Like they are distinct, distinctly Take That songs. And I think a lot of this album veers from that. And you have to imagine it's Robbie coming in and changing things up. I yeah, guess. I hope so. it's, it, there's some stuff, we'll get onto it, but there is so, there are some tracks that you, you can't really believe that Take That's making them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, there were moments that I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was like, this is not to take that album in any way that I expected ever. <laughs> I think the lyrics on this track are really good too. There are some parts where I think I think the line trying to dance the rain has always, even since I heard it back years ago, that always felt kind of unsatisfactory to me. It always felt like trying to dance the rain is so abstract that they probably could have found something better to rhyme. But uh, the line, we will meet you where the lights are, has stuck in my head for years just because the way it's delivered, it has yeah. this huge significance. But interestingly, the opening part of Standing on the Edge of Forever, that's a Robbie lyric. Uh, he got that from a title of a Star Trek mm-hmm. episode. Oh, standing on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. Oh, cool. Good lyric, good line. Yeah, yeah. The way it's sung as well is really good. It's though. so... Standing. Yeah, like, it's really good. It has a genuinely unironic epic significance. Yeah. It feels that way. Yeah. Um, and it was nominated for an either Novello mm-hmm. Award, yeah. <laughs> joining the esteemed ranks of Rudebox. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. So this was one. this was the lead album, uh, the lead single from the album. I think kind of obviously, it, it, yeah. There's no it feels like it this is yeah. it. It's released on the fifteenth of October, twenty ten, uh, which is a month before the album comes out exactly, and it peaks at number two on the charts. It doesn't get to number one. 
Uh, it's been to the top by Only Girl in the World by Rihanna. Oh, okay, again, Which, another massive It's a song. good song, but I'm still like, this is Robbie Williams coming back to take that, and it's such an anthemic, big song. It's I'm really surprised surprising that it doesn't get to number one. Especially, like, like, I must have Rihanna's small over here, but she's an American artist. Mm-hmm. Like, But at the same time, that song was a huge worldwide success. That yeah, song's that song was huge, massive. Huge. Yeah, I mean, this song, it, it's, still, it's not seen as a failure or anything. It's oh. still a big hit. Um, it's one of their biggest selling singles ever. Uh, and it's incredibly well received as well. People love it. It's seen as a big deal that they're back with a song as good as this. Uh, and there's a music video as well, which we've already talked about a bit. Uh, it's a video that when watching it now, like, I think there's nothing that special about it. But at the same time, the imagery of the rowing is, like, stuck with me for exactly. well over a decade. It's iconic. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think it's a particularly incredible video, but I knew it. Yeah. So, like, clearly it's stuck. I mean, the top comment on the YouTube video is... I just searched for men kayak rowing music video and YouTube found it for me. Yeah. So like that imagery is obviously stuck with people so yeah, much. Yeah. Um, and just to explain the gist of it, it's like it's actually shot quite similarly to the rowing segment in the Social Network. Yeah. I think it's yeah. really. Yeah, similar. it is. But it's set. It looks to be set at the Henley Regatta. So take that are a rowing team dressed in like these really cool looking white outfits. They look like the two guys from Funny Games actually. But they're up against this team of other rowers who are kind of generic. You don't really get a look at them. And they lose the race. Yeah. So they lose their own race, but they keep going. <laughs> they just keep rowing until they get to London and then go out into like the go, English Channel. Yeah, they're like rowing past Canary Wharf and stuff like that. Which is a really cool little thing. Although there is a weird part where like the film sprockets sort of slide out of place and you see like. I don't know, that part kind of feels weird to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like the zooms in it really don't work either. But um, the imagery is so solid and works the track as well. It, it looks like a bunch of people coming together as a team. Yeah. And that's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep, that's the flood. SOS? Uh, yeah, track two, SOS. Now, you sent it a take in our group chat. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a Fallout Boy song. It, it, I, I listened to the album at that point, but when I did, I was like, wow, it is. <laughs> it's so clearly just like a save rock and roll. Yeah, it, Fall Out it, Boy it would, song. It would yeah. 100% fit on save rock and roll. Yeah. It would be the worst song on save rock and roll. I don't mind. I think it's better no. than all Fall Out Boy songs. Yeah, but. I think it, I, what I meant by it's the worst Fall Out Boy song is I mean, it's the worst save rock and roll Fall Out yeah. Boy song. I'm not a big Fallout Boy fan, but that album's fantastic, mm-hmm. I think. But yeah, it, it blew me away. I literally couldn't believe it. It's got the same structure, the vocals at but some it, point. It's, yeah. it, it's vocally identical. Like going into the high pitch for the chorus as well as yeah. so Patrick Stump. You know, yeah, it's... and like the, the like electronic music coming through. It, it is with like the guitars and the drums. It is, it is just a Fallout Boy mm-hmm. song. There's no other way to describe it. it well, upon hearing this track the first time, it struck me. Wow, Mark Owens has a really weird voice. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. It's not bad, it's just not is what you'd he expect. the one who sings What Do You Want? Yeah, yeah. he also sings yeah. Shine. Yeah, he... You are right. He's got such a strange voice. I think part of it is the accent. Like He has a very distinct accent that comes through when he's singing. Yeah. But just the voice itself, there is like a... Yeah, it is strange. Yeah. What also like doesn't I, the thing is I think it's actually an interesting voice to listen to. Like mm-hmm. I don't mind it at all. He's got like a very strong sort of northern accent, but there's also a weird layer of auto tune they always love to slap in his voice, especially on Shine. That I feel it kind of tracks from it a bit. But if a combination of his sort of vaguely already warbly northern accent with the auto tune makes it a point sound like like I don't know like it was generated entirely by a synth, like he's a vocaloid. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. I think it works great for this song as well. I'm just imagining a Mark Owens vocaloid. 
Uh, an interesting lyric in this to keep in mind. Yes. It has the line, liberate your sons and daughters. Yes, remember that line, Nathan. Liberate your sons and daughters. I, when I first heard that, I did a double take. I was yeah. like, really? Wow. I, I knew I knew it from somewhere, and I had to Google it to yeah. kind of for it to jog my memory where it was from. But yeah. Um, but I think okay. it's catchy, fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's again so not the energy I expect from Take That album. Yeah, that's the thing that blew me away. Like this is we're, we're in real territory where I was speaking about like this is not what you expect from a Take That album, even slightly. I think from the behind the scenes, it was Robbie's idea to come up with something a bit faster for this song. Um, but when they come up with the chorus, literally everyone at the same time just agreed upon, like, it's an SOS, it's an SOS, oh yes, oh yes, it's an SOS. Yeah. Like, from what they say, it's like they all came up with that idea simultaneously and said it aloud, which is pretty neat. But, um, yeah, just a weird little song that you wouldn't expect to take that to do. But, uh, guess we Time for a bit move of on wait. to wait. Yeah. Nice wee track. It reminded me. I don't know why I wrote this because I can't quite remember what it sounds like. But I wrote "nice and rude boxy." I I also wrote the words "Robbie" all over it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also have in my notes at this point it very much feels like a Robbie-led album, and I think that feeling starts to go away the more you get into it. Yeah. yeah. So far, it really feels like he is influencing this and leading the direction. I'm so glad we all picked up on that. I don't have a lot to say about it. I liked it. I wrote. I liked it. Yeah, it's clearly about like the communication issues the band have had in the yeah. past. I thought the chorus was kind of like Rat Pack-ish, like it sort of had a kind of a classic 60s feel to it. Um, Gary Barlow actually said this is his favourite pop song on the album. He thinks it's like the best one. Fair which enough. is an interesting choice. Um, is it time for the kids to come out? Now, this this is, does something insane. The, the fade between these two songs, like, is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I there's this is co- the point where I started listening to the album and I was like, maybe I have to take this like yeah. really seriously. There are a couple of transitions on this. Yeah, and yeah, all of them work incredibly yeah. well. I think transitions within albums are always something yeah. good. Like if you if you can make songs transition correctly, you're writing a cohesive, well made yeah. album. You, you can't do it without doing that. You know what I mean? Like it just especially if you do it multiple times. So the track we're talking about now is Kids with a Z. Which sucks. Don't put Zs in there. Oh, Don't sorry, put Z- no, 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 no. The yeah, song's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Don't put Zs in place of Ss. Fuck off. This is very 2010, that. This song's insane. This song is amazing. Yeah, Again, it's so uh, good. This is another song that I knew. I, I remember it from the time. Um, especially, something's always stuck in my head is the What You're Looking At. Yeah. From, yeah. It, it, it's so weird. So <laughs> not what you expect from Take That. It's this weird, like, future disco kind of electronic yeah, thing. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, it's amazing. It yeah, starts it's... with just like a stomping, and the thing which is, is so cool. We're now four songs in, and they're all really good mm-hmm. and not what you expect. I mean, yeah. I guess Flood, Flood is the closest thing to a take that song has been so far, but even then it's like a bit more <laughs> progressive. Hey. Um, but yeah, like everything else so far, I've been like, this is not what I expected. What is happening? Uh, this is... Uh, th- so the lyrics for this are... Absolutely insane. I think they're kind of terrible, but I don't mind. Yeah, like the, uh, it. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And the video they shoot for it as well, like, fits with the lyrics so yeah. well. So the lyrics pretty much are about conspiratorial stuff in the vaguest possible sense. <laughs> I wonder who had an influence on these <laughs> lyrics. I cannot. I cannot piece which one of them would have wrote this. It's. It's. It's like kings and queens and presidents, ministers of governments, uh, talking which, about. That that like like that whole line 
just fucked when they say it. It's really good. All the the, the melody's really cool. Yeah. It's a really weird sinister verse melody. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's like it's something the Riddler would write. Yeah, they deliver it like the whoever's singing as well like delivers it low. That's Mark Owen again. Is it Mark Owen again? Yeah. Like delivers it low and like lets it be sinister. It, it it's um da, 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 da. yeah. So he talks about like um they say nothing, deny everything, and make counter accusations. Uh. Like, the monkeys learnt to build machines, they think they'll get to heaven through the universe, which doesn't seem to mean anything, that line, but yeah. it's basically just sort of, like, there'll be trouble when the kids come out, there'll be lots of them to talk about, seems to be, <laughs> there's going to be a hashtag Great Awakening, yeah. where, like, you know, the young people are going to realise all the evils of the world or whatever, and react, like, you know, it's like a dystopian young adult fiction kind of yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's fun to note that in the lyrics, kids is always written with a Z in the lyrics. <laughs> it's funny. And it also includes Marco and saying, hey, hey, what you're looking at? You want a bit of that? In <laughs> like this real sort of chatting thing, which I don't know why they did it. It's the, it's a perfect, like, 50-50 sucks and is amazing. I love yeah, it. Yeah. That's like... I agree. Totally. And as the song builds at the end, you kind of just get, like, this distorted, like, noise. Just, it keeps building, getting louder. Again really not what you expect from Take That and it's just amazing because it, of it it's got such an industrial sound yeah. field mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it's I remember like this playing like um, when uh, you know my parents were having like you know dinners or whatever and they'd put on Take That in the background when this played it was like it, it was like I'd never really heard anything kind of like it before it felt unhinged and sinister yeah. and kind of dark yeah and it's like we said it's so not what you expect from Take That yeah. it's amazing that it exists yeah and we were off to an incredible start yeah. to an album and we got to talk about the video too for this one yeah so this is the second single yeah released on 20th of February 2011 it only goes 28 in the charts but like we say it's a post-album single so yeah post-album single I'm also not sure like it doesn't it feels like it's a bit too weird to have mm-hmm. a mass market appeal yeah yeah I'm so obviously I watched the videos in order of singles so I watched the blood first mm. Uh, and we've agreed the flood video is good with good iconography, but I was happy to see something a bit weirder. Mm-hmm. This is honestly one of the most interesting videos Robbie's done for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, this is the sort of... This is... If you took the Morning Sun video and made it weird, you'd end up with something close to this. Yeah. So, the gist is, take that as space aliens. And they are delivering a message to the people of the world. The art that's the lyrics of the song. And men with guns and such arrive to counter them. <laughs> And they're all dressed in like steampunk gear and Mark... which is fucking cool. Like their it's, it's, it's are... insane that this is on. Gary Barler's outfit kicks ass. Yeah. That looks so good. <laughs> but Mark Owen's wearing this like insane like massive hood. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like... it so good. And the the parts where like it's like broadcast to TVs and the idea of like and there's this kid who's kind of inspired by the whole thing, which I, I don't know how you can be. I don't know what's going on, right? Take that shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Take that are bland and make good hits but are boring. They're what mortgage guys, but yeah, they're going alien mode. Yeah, like I I know what's happening. Robbie is happening, but like, how does any of them not go, Robbie? You need to calm down. Uh. It's bizarre because Robbie just rides a bike out of the spaceship. Yeah, he, 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 he so to, it feels like he brought the bike from home. Do you know what I mean? The spaceship lands. The five take that guys are all standing there, looking at the like military, all pointing guns and not knowing what to do. 
And then Robbie just gets on like a pedal, like normal bicycle. He <laughs> sort of does a wee circle around and looks them a bit mean. Yeah, like, I was gonna say the shot where he like rides towards the camera <laughs> and goes sideways and like he just looks really dismissively at the camera is amazing. Yeah. So good. And it's also it's worth noting it's shot in like anamorphic, mm-hmm. streaky, flary JJ Abrams mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's the point where like the part where they land, the lights behind them are so streaky you can't see their faces because they're at the exact same height. Yeah, and yeah. The flares are too big, but it it, it looks gorgeous. Yeah. It looks so. Uh, it almost feels bad because like some of the shots are wasted by being shown little smaller TVs when the other characters are watching them. But there is a kid who's sitting and watching this that for some reason inspires the militaries of the entire world to take up armed action against. But this kid sits there and like watches them and he's like, "Yeah!" And his reaction is to break through this crowd of like armed military guys and to take a Polaroid picture of them, which doesn't. It's shot. I, look, I don't get that. Yeah. I think it's shot throughout really interestingly. It's really it's handheld anamorphic. Yeah, it's, it's a not a video look. that I really take any message or anything from. It just it's, it looks cool and it's yeah. shot well. It's like, a dumb idea. Yeah. Like, I'm all for it. Yeah. I just find it so funny that they specifically were like, okay, well, we say uh, the song's called Kids. We've got to have a kid in the video. How's about he just becomes inspired by us aliens saying we're gonna kill everyone or whatever? Uh, it's just it's funny to me. It's almost like. <laughs> it's, uh, there's an angle I'm absolutely going to cut but it vaguely reminds me of a kid being indoctrinated into a terrorist group <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing we can maybe talk about I don't know if you guys feel the same way is that it is just kind of strange seeing Robbie in this group setting Yeah, like seeing him in these videos and he's not taking center stage yeah. like he doesn't have lead vocals in this song he's just mm-hmm. a backing singer and yeah I don't know if it's just because like we're so Invested him in him already. We've been through everything he's done so far. Yeah, but seeing him not in the limelight. I agree. With it's, this totally. It is strange. Yeah, even in interviews and stuff like. I constantly kept thinking like, is he definitely happy with this? Like, mm-hmm. is he okay? How like how's his ego? Like genuinely. It reminds me when David Bowie like joined. He set up a band in the late eighties called Tim Machine, and he deliberately wanted to take a backstage, so he like wasn't at the front on the album cover and stuff like that. Yeah. And wanted to become like more anonymous just to try it out. I don't think it seems like Robbie's taking any issue with this, but just yeah. as a viewer, so used to him being the central star figure, yeah, it's yeah. a really unusual thing <laughs> to see. It's like, doesn't Counter Reeves have a band, but he plays bass? And it's, it's like, what? You're a movie that. star, you can't, you can't play bass in a band. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't stand at the side and mope over your bass. Like, that's, not, that's not allowed. <laughs> With like Robbie like looking comfortable or uncomfortable in this, there's a thing I forgot to mention about the flood video. There's a point where he's standing against a wall and he has this specific pose that looks exactly like Michael's default pose in GTA. It's like <laughs> Is that two episodes in a row we've had a Michael default reference? It's like it's just it keeps on popping up, man. Like he has his arms by his side and <laughs> yeah. like he doesn't know what to do with I them. can see it completely. It's really yeah. weird. But he seems really he seems like he's having a good time in this video, despite the the bike thing, I'm t- it, I don't know if it could be a riff on the bodies video, I don't really know, but it's just such a... There's a guy with a bike right now. A woman. What is wrong with you? Sorry. Why would you... <laughs> you know, I, I, Sorry. I, I do think it is mostly on our, our part that he looks strange in these videos. Like, for yeah. interviews and stuff, it seems like he was comfortable doing yeah, this absolutely. or something he wanted to do. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just it's strange seeing him not taking center stage all the time. Because I think you very easily could have had a take that album where... He is the lead in every way. Like it's dominated by Rob Booms. He's the main guy all the time. And as much as we think he's maybe dictated the direction the album goes, I still think it feels like a group effort. Yeah, 100%. all the interviews yeah. like seems to point that way for like every single yeah. track. That's why the writing credits, every track, the writing credits are the entirety of Take mm-hmm. That. Yeah, pretty thing. Uh, well, just I no, want to add sorry. a couple more things about Kids. Uh, just to be on the promotion of the song, it was originally going to be performed on the X Factor, 
but Simon Cowell wouldn't let them because it was around the same time that there were riots and protests over rising student tuition fees in the UK. Okay. So just the lyrics of the song and their general stage set for it, he wouldn't let them do it, so they had to do the, the flood instead. And there is a performance they do at the Brits of kids, and it's a genuinely amazing performance. It's, good. it's so good. They're all dressed in, like, all black, uh, like, military jackets, kind of, like, standing in formation. Um, and they have, like, 50 backup dancers on stage with them. Really? Yeah. And they're all dressed in riot gear. And they perform most of the song, the dancers are dancing. And then in the final chorus, all of them begin stripping off. So they just get, like, into, like, undershirts and underwear at the end. Except for Take That, they're still dressed. But all the yeah. dancers are stripping off. And you have this bright yellow coming through on the screen to obviously reflect the colour of the album. It's just a genuinely really good, go really good that. performance. Sounds yeah. great. I remember seeing that live when I was younger, and it was, like, insane. It blew this is, this is like, post-Brits comeback now, isn't it? Yeah. This is, like, this is like your mum's Brits, though, nowadays. Yeah. Like, it's... It's not the Brits of old. There are no threats of like fights. Yeah, like, like Robbie, you can know like the, the the most insane thing to happen at the Brits in the last like fifteen years is like Alex Turner dropped a mic, fucking Jack Whitehall now is allowed to host it somehow, and like fucking Lizzo downed a bottle of tequila on the camera. Like they're like the only things that happen of any relevance now. Oh, is, does he do one more crazy thing? Uh, anyway, so like I just feel like the Brits <laughs> are so watered down now. Oh my! Oh, I can't wait. Man. It's not even live anymore, is it? I don't know. To be fair, I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, you cannot, you cannot have Jarvis Cocker running on stage at the Brits anymore. Like that just wouldn't happen. He can't run on stage and show Michael Jackson's ass. Like you yeah. just can't because he's dead. <laughs> right, pretty thing. Um, wait, there was one more oh, thing so, about that. I just want to. Say. I don't know. Why I'm so desperate to get onto a song that is, is irrelevant, but yeah. Uh, the it's just a minor thing, but the the riot shields the guys have, they have to take that logo mm-hmm. on it. It oh, looks cool. really cool. It honestly Can we buy like... one of them? Can we buy something? <laughs> oh, I also find it really funny <laughs> that Simon Cowell vaguely thought that Take That were going to inspire a revolution. They <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> had to be kept under lock and key. Um, okay, yeah, Pretty Things. Uh, this is the point where the album really dips off. Album me. track! That's yeah. all I wrote. I think the first four tracks are such such a good different direction for take that and obviously like i think kids is going to be a peak in some sense because it's so unexpected and where do you go from that yeah uh but yeah i think this is kind of i find it very album track it's more so the type of thing i would expect from take yeah. that kind of I was, fairly I generic saccharine slightly disappointed by it yeah. yeah i actually think i just realized why there's a z on kids because kids by robbie and kylie maybe they want to avoid confusion oh yeah that could be <laughs> the whole thing but... yeah fair enough uh, but this track, um, kind of an interesting meaning, like they talked about in interviews, like, it was about realising that, you know, they were attracted to, like, young girls, like, that sounds bad, they were attracted to young women, yeah. uh, but... <laughs> People they... of consenting age, but who were young. Yes. And, like, they'd sort of, you know, see a pretty woman on the street, like, smile at her, and then realise, oh, wait, to her, that's an old man looking at her and smiling now. Like, Robbie was talking about my hair's going grey now and stuff like that, and it's about, sort of, realising now that you're kind of out of the game. You yeah. Know, like... And it's about still... It's also really creepy. <laughs> it's a really creepy track talking about, like, um, so collectible, why not collect them all? Like, this desire to essentially possess as many ones. Right, I actually dislike it now. I was kind of medium on it before, but now it's weird and I do not like it. I think you can have creepy songs about creepy stuff. Yeah. It's not necessarily, like... I just really hate the idea of the five of them sat in a room looking at pictures of 18 and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, what a horrible idea that I is. I don't think that's how it went down. Yeah, I'm, I'm having it like that in my head. Should we, should um, we just bounce past it or you? Well, there's, a bit more? There, are a, there are a couple of lyrics on this album that I find genuinely make my skin crawl. Yeah. Uh, one of them is, 
Youth Don't Leave Me, Hair Stay On Me, God, I Love Those Hips. There's something about saying you love somebody's hips that's disgusting to me. <laughs> hips. Hips? There is one line on it that I find very unnerving. Yes, up, yes, we know what it is. Yeah, we, won't, we, we, know, we yeah. don't even... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> uh, kind of at that point now, I will get yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, get to yeah. it yeah. Okay, I'm um, just yeah. seeing if there's anything else. Uh, there's also, like, it's kind of incelly where it's like, they're still out there somewhere making men feel this way. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, uh, as, as, like, obviously cunningly womanly. There's just a very strange <laughs> What if like, women take. bad? What what do you mean what if? That's a given, bro. Uh, Thumbs up. Bros hey. <laughs> being guys. Guys being bros. <laughs> dudes being pals. Pals being dudes. <laughs> um, okay, so so yeah, this is a creepy song. I don't mind it too much. I think the melody is yeah, I think it's sinister it. unsettling, but kind of in a good and interesting way. I think it's very album tracky. Yeah, it, it I get what you mean about the dip. It's yeah. a similar thing to um reality where there's such an obvious it's so obviously front loaded yeah mm-hmm. yeah happy now this is a weird track but so i i was listening to this yeah. and i kind of switched off because the last one was a bit bad and then the chorus came in and i was like holy shit i sing this like all the time whoa i, I had no idea this was to take that song like, i catch myself singing the chorus to this like i feel myself I sing that all the time to myself. Like, not a joke. Like, maybe like once every couple of weeks, that'll come into my head and I'll sing it. That is crazy. It genuinely yeah, blew I, me I, away. I wasn't familiar with this song at all. I don't think I was, at least. I'd heard, Look, like, it like genuinely blew me away that yeah. much. I wrote in caps. Do you know how annoying it is to write in caps? <laughs> so, yeah, it, I, I had no idea it was coming. Yeah, it completely just stuck in my head. And, yeah, I'd never heard anything but the chorus either. Mm-hmm. I, I, I pretty much am familiar with this entire album, basically. Yeah, yeah. But this chorus always stuck out to me as being really unhinged. Like, it's yeah, obviously... It. The, the gist of it is, like, it's trying to show how the simple pleasures, like going to the club and whatever, espoused in, like, normal pop songs are kind of empty. And sort of doing, like, an ironic take on that. Like, you know, like, I feel myself falling, I'm feeling happy now. And it's all basically about, like, not really having any long-term satisfaction. Um, the the chorus to me almost feels like I don't even dislike it too much, but it really feels someone being stabbed in the ear repeatedly. It, it's it's because it obviously contrasts with the verses as well. Mm. Uh, and I think they spoke about this. I don't know if it was in the documentary or just maybe a genius annotation. Um, but you have these verses which are kind of darker, they're more monotone. They have like yeah. distortion on the vocals, and it suddenly switches to this weird upbeat chorus. It's a shift that I don't think quite works. I don't really like the song. I it, find the chorus kind of annoying. I kind of feel. I, I really like this song. Yeah, it's kind of like I, I I had the same thing where like, but I think it's also really similar to another song from that time. It was like I feel myself away, away, That's Neo. Neo, but yeah, it's kind of similar, die. isn't it? Yes, that's it's that one, isn't it? I yeah, just yeah. can't die. Um, yeah, I think I always got those two confused in my head, but there's something about the way that the vocals on the chorus are really a high pitch combined with these really high pitched synths that feels to me like. It's deliberately going for a, a too sweet kind of vibe, like a too happy kind of thing, like deliberately for the purpose yeah. of the message of the song. Yeah. But I, I feel I'm in John's camp. Like it, it doesn't. It, it feels like too much of a shift. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I stand by this. Uh, I think it is a massive shift, but I, I'm all for it. You happy now? I, I am literally happy now. <laughs> now, are we doing the video? Yeah. This is the third single from the album. Uh, the kind of interesting thing is that it's a comic relief single. Yeah. Um. 
which I mean it doesn't really explain why they would pick this song because I do think it is a very weird song to yeah, yeah I single. completely agree with that uh, but it's released on the 18th of March 2011 it peaks at 52 in the charts Jesus Christ again we're it's talking post-album, post-album single yeah but, it just doesn't happen anymore. yeah yeah um yeah, so the gist of the video is, do you remember the Robbie Williams video where he like has a talent show to find someone to play in? Yeah, it's that. It's that, but it's basically more of a comic relief Yeah, sketch and it's like, we're going to get a couple of comedians in, cameos, they're yeah. going to do, pretend to be, you know, they're going to do impersonations of famous take that moments, and that's going to be fine, and it's a bit whatever. So you have <laughs> James Corden, David Williams, Catherine Tate, and John, Bish- John Bishop and Alan Carr. Yeah, all pretty I will big say UK comedians. The bit of getting the fat one to play Gary is very good. But again, who? The fat one to play Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good. Uh, yeah, big fan of that. It's weird actually, considering David Williams did play Howard Donald on during the Brits when Robbie got his Lifetime the best song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Angels. That is a weird little thing. It's a shame they didn't get Matt Lucas in for Gary Barlow. He, he, he <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they, they were like, "Who else is a fat UK comedian we can get? Who's free? James Corden." This is this is pre glow up for James Corden where he gets to go to America and act like he's a real fucking human being and not a lizard. <laughs> but at the same time, this was also a time in where in UK media where James Corden was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But he was in Doctor Escape, Who. He was on like talk shows all the time. Yeah. He was on like everything. It, yeah, it was another. I, it, 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 yeah, but he was still being UK James Corden. Yeah, yeah. And like, was still acting like that. And you know, it's amazing. Gavin and like, Stacey was massive at the time, which he was. Oh yeah, huge for. Uh, but yeah, this is before he gets his his charming smiling. Gets to go host a talk show in America. For his carpool karaoke with yeah. Queen. Oh, that's I, who finds carpool karaoke funny? Who is it? Point point them out to me. I'm. She needs murdered. You don't deserve <laughs> life if you've laughed at a carpool karaoke, mate. Uh, <laughs> what have we got? Famous person to sing. <laughs> Do you know what actually enrages me? Right. Where he does the, um, he gets everyone on the zebra crossing to dance and sing for the people driving. Have you seen those? Yeah. He stops traffic. Yeah. Your grandmother con- could be in the back with her heart exploding. I genuinely despise the man. I, like, I'm My not, favorite like- thing was finding out that apparently he's a massive mm-hmm. diva and an asshole. And, like, there are countless stories of him being a horrible person. And finding out that I was right all along, good moment. Dude, when I was doing my Tofty research, I saw an in your ear challenge where they'd sort of prank James Corden throughout an entire day and made his day really. Is this the Anna Deck thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen this as well. You kind of see in that. Yeah, you see yeah. how awful he actually yeah. is. Yeah, like he's a bad person. It's also fun to see him getting wound up by a guy being like, "What? You're late for the show? No, I'm the host of the Late Show. You're late for the show? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> who's show? I'm, I'm on that sign. If you walk five meters away, you'll see a sign with my face on it. Oh, sorry, I should have known. Don't be late for your show now." <laughs> It's really great. I, think... I have a genuine hatred of him. Like an actual genuine hatred. No, I can Do you remember I revealed it once in media and like people were like, mm-hmm. What? How could you hate him? And I was like, He's a massive twat. I don't like him. I don't think I go as far as you do. But like I, I think he's pretty good on Doctor Who. I think that's I think Gavin Stacey's good. good. I have never seen Gavin I also Stacey. think Gavin Stacey's yeah. good. And he wrote a lot of it. Yeah, he it's weird like how different his talents are in that respect. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's such an arsehole and like so obviously an arsehole on so many other things. In fact, the song I really... Because we've got to get back onto it, but... Have you seen the Brits where... No, the BAFTAs, where he got... um, Gavin Stacey got Best Overall Show. He got Best Writing. And when he was accepting the Best Overall Show, he was up there with Ruth Jones. And he was like... He was drunk, but he said... Now, what I can't understand here is... You know, you get you get Best Writing. You get Best Overall Show. You think that you get Best Comedy, but... Oh, well. Because another show got Best Comedy. 
What an arsehole. Yeah, fuck off, man. The press hate him after fucking that. It's really hard to find him. the footage. I think he'd put effort into getting yeah. scrubbed off the internet. Also, like, this is completely off topic as well. I fucking despise when him and the other fat one from Australia, I can't remember her fucking name. The one who, no, the one whose joke, every film is she's fat. Rebel, Rebel Wilson. Wilson. She can also fuck off, right? She, I'm, she's less annoying as a person, but really, get another bit, right? Just, just get another bit, mm. Okay. When they went on stage and joked about how bad cats were yeah. after they cashed their checks for Messed cats up. and basically laughed at a load of people who were sat in CG rooms on computers all day who are not unionised, are underpaid, are overworked and got hung up to dry for no reason. They'd lost their jobs at that point as well, I think. Like, was around I didn't the even know the that. at the studio shut you down. Do not yeah. cut this. Like, I'm definitely cut this. <laughs> disgraceful. They're cashing their checks of millions have no detriment to their career are taking the piss out of people who'd lost their jobs because let's be honest their performances were shocking okay there are people in that film who give decent performances in what are bad circumstances in not a good movie okay them two are laughably bad like specifically them two are terrible in that movie i am sick of james corden being a voice actor he's not him voicing peter rabbit is dumb as hell he's not a voice actor he's not an actor get away i don't care Okay, um, well, let's, uh, you, sorry to not get off this yet. Have you seen the video of Patrick Stewart? Yes! Oh yes. No, yes. I don't know this. What is this? It's an award show where James Corden is hosting it. And I think Patrick Stewart comes up to present a specific award and he's really drunk and he just starts insulting James. Patrick Stewart actually is so bad on this that James Corden ends up looking the better one. I find it. Yeah. Really? Patrick, we'll show it to you at some point, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a Might not have time today, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. God almighty, we have an hour. If yeah, we can yeah. do it, though, we can do that. Uh, so track seven, underground machine. Uh, uh, this is kind of where I sort of run out of things to talk about. Uh, yeah, this is the last track on the album with Robbie on lead vocals, I believe. Um, it's one that I like in the moment, but I cannot for the life of me remember. Yeah, it right now. I, I, the only thing I wrote was it's crazy how much this all fades together. I was mm. kind of impressed by like the transitions, but other than that, my notes run out. Other than the next song I wrote. Is this guy a good singer? Question mark. There is the one line on Underground Machine, you might be good looking, but you can't sleep with yourself tonight, which I feel like is a very Robbie Williams line. Yeah. yeah. There's also, I just wrote out, this is Robbie Town. Yeah. This is fully like Robbie's taking control. Yeah. And I always remembered for years the, oh, what a beast, oh, what a man. That's incredibly yeah. Robbie flourish there. And weirdly enough, right, in the, I read about this, I haven't seen it, but apparently in the Take That documentary, they show Elton John listening to The Flood and being like, mm, this can yes. be a hit. This is number one. Alan John knows. But they edited it. The track he was actually listening to was Underground Machine. <laughs> it was re- I, which they didn't release a single at all. It's so which one did he actually hear? He, he listened, listened to Underground, Underground Machine. Machine. He thought Underground Machine was it here. Yeah, they yeah. edited it to look like it was Flood. Which they is- do play him another song afterwards. I can't remember what one it is, but it's not Flood either. And he also says this is a number one single. And it wasn't definitely whatever it was. You play like him the iPhone ringtone. He says this is a number one single. <laughs> I can't. That's really dishonest editing, though. Like, yeah, that's yeah, messed yeah. up. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Owen's crying about it. <laughs> Should we just move on to what, what do you want, want from me? me? Right. So, like we say, at this point in the album, I, I'm kind of checked out. I'm not really yeah. paying that much attention to it, and then I'm suddenly awoken by the. Okay, I, I want to press this. I know this song is like very personal to Mark Owen, and like you shouldn't really make fun of it because it's about his uh, fairly tough relationship with his wife at the time, who he cheated on. It was dealing with alcohol issues, and this song is about that. But hearing Mark Owen yell, I still want to have sex with you, is very, very strange. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. I, 
we talked about earlier about how his voice is interesting, and mm-hmm. I think it's bad in this. I, I don't think he's very good. I I I, I kind of like the way overall this track sounds. I I, I think the melody is pretty good. Right, it's it's over long, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's way too long. But it's like so for context for that line. The track keeps on saying, I still want to be with you, I still wanna, I'm still in love with you. I still want to make love to you is one of them. Yeah. And that, that's fine. You get away with, I still want to make love to you. We're, we're, we're touching borderlines, but you can get away with it. They're for one chorus. He says, <laughs> I still want to have sex with you. <laughs> it's a bizarre frankness that you never really hear in music ever, and there's kind of a reason for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. <laughs> It's, it made me realise, along with Robbie saying, are we going to have sex in Rude, <laughs> in Rude Box, yeah. that ha- saying having sex is the least sexy thing you can do in yeah, a song. Uh, genuinely, I'm trying to think now, are there any good examples of saying the word, like, well, we're going to have sex, I want to have sex, in a song that I can think of? Even I... The Weeknd can't do it. There's a part in his new album where he's like, we had sex in the studio, that like, mm-hmm. ugh. Just like, there are a million metaphors that you if, can use. If, if, yeah, if Abel can't pull it off, no one can. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not possible. It's just it's just so uncomfortable because again it doesn't, but um just like within the take that verse especially mm-hmm. like the realm of stuff that they've released before it just this feels... is just family music as well you can't say that mate yeah it, I just <laughs> you know what I mean like my eight year olds listening to this shut up I'm glad I never clocked it when I was a kid yeah was you just wouldn't but... daddy why does Mark Owen want to have sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, but yeah, he said that a uh, big part of the inspiration was his wife was going on this sort of spiritual retreat thing, and he didn't know if when she came back she'd like you know be a kind of different person and you know want to you know leave him for a, like a different life. This is another reason why I think, mate, saying I still want to have sex with you isn't enough to get your wife back. <laughs> He's really good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, really look, hey, look what you're missing out on, Marco and his ten-inch schlong singing the hits all night long. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> should, we, should we dance on? Should we move on? Affirmation is a weird um, track. The main note I have for this is I said there's a reason that Howard Donald doesn't sing lead as much. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> John Chris, yeah. Chris Go over here. Bringing burns today, mate. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's very good on this track. Uh, I didn't write any notes. I was checked yeah, out. Yeah, it kind of has like a Euro trash like electric dance beat as well to it as well. Uh, it's just very weak. I've fully checked out. I've, I've closed the book. The thing is, overall, there's still nothing really here that I dislike. Really, it's it's still kind of passable yeah. for me. Affirmation is a good like reminder. So like we said, it's it's a reason why people don't use the word affirmation in mm-hmm. songs. That in the chorus, like I want an affirmation. It's it's just horrible. That's way that too hard to, to, to get in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a postman coming. Oh, he dropped his letter. Um, we're keeping that in alone. Affirmation! Right, so, um, basically, um, Howard said he wanted to write an angry song. Wow. And it doesn't feel that angry, even. I did not remember... Fe- I felt angry having to listen to it. Hey. I actually don't care. I wrote zero it. notes. Yeah, it's same. I, I gave up on notes from this point. Should we just move on to Eight Letters, which is the final track? Now, this, I think, is pretty good. Yeah, I thought uh, this was a bit better. So why have this thing with Gary Barlow? Where I think he's kind of a weird singer for me because I think sometimes he sounds really good and sometimes he sounds awful. I also have this feeling, yeah. And I think he's awful on this track. I think it's a terrible performance. It's like on Greatest Day as well. I think there's just... I don't know if it's maybe auto-tune they put on him, but his voice just kind of sounds like weird and distorted and like yelpy at points sometimes. Yeah, it's and like... 
Yeah. It's like, greatest day of our lives. Yeah. It's sort of, he reaches these high notes that you can tell he's straining mm-hmm. a wee bit to get to and it pinches a bit. I like this track overall. Uh, um, interestingly, Robbie was originally on this track, but they tried it with Gary and apparently it worked better that way. They also said that they felt that Gary had been absent for most of the album mm-hmm. and so they wanted to have him on the last track doing the last notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool thing to note is that it does... Uh, I, one thing I do appreciate about Robbie uh, and Take That is that I mean, or specifically more Robbie, is that he's never really been ashamed of taking stuff from other songs for the purpose of making really big pop hits. And here, Take That do a similar thing. They take a bit from Vienna by Ultravox. You know that track? Oh, Vienna! No, no, Fair. no. <laughs> that's pretty much the main hook. Uh, but it has this piano line that's like... And that is obviously used in the chorus of this. Yeah. Uh, I think it's used to great effect. Um, I think the line eight letters, three words, one meaning is the most Gary Barlow lyric ever written. I mean, it means I love you, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep, so that's that. Uh, but it's obviously another track. We haven't really talked that much, but yeah, a lot of this stuff is just about the band reunited. Yeah. And this is another track about how we're all back together. Um, and it's kind of nice, you know, I, I like it. Uh, at this point, it has fully devolved into the kind of stuff I'd usually expect from them. Yep. Which yeah, I think why it's very mm-hmm. interesting to me. Take that. Uh, but I, don't know, I, I liked it personally, but um, yeah, it is definitely like it's definitely like take that by numbers kind yeah. of. And then there is a bonus track, track, Flower Bed. Why is it in a different album cover is on it? Spotify? It is, yeah. Oh, is weird. there any it's, reason for it? Uh, no, I think it just must be weird metadata. It's, yeah. It has the progressed album cover on it, okay. and we'll explain progressed in a minute. It sounded to me weirdly like something that could have come off um, a brief inquiry into online relationships for the first part of it. It has this like weird it's ambient weird, soundscape yeah. and the auto-tuned yeah. massive like distorted vocals. Yeah. I honestly actually like this track quite a bit. I just wrote boring for it again yeah. at this point. It, I was it's, checked out. It's not connecting for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite a pleasant experience. I like the chorus melody, but um, yeah, again, it's nothing like. It's a shame that like take that hidden tracks are like this and Robbie Williams hidden tracks. It's are. dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fine, but I'm just not interested in it. I think unless you can do something really radical, don't do a bonus track. Well, oh, here's the reason. Uh, they always have one track in the album where Jason Orange does lead vocals, mm-hmm. and they're usually hidden tracks. So it's just like... See that bad a singer? <sighs> well, I mean... He's not the best. Uh, it's what they did with Ringo, you know? Yeah. Limited range, can't really, so you find songs that work for him. But I do think the line, I'll be enjoying myself lying in your flower bed, there's something about the way that's delivered along with it. Right, I know you think about vaginas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> But um, <laughs> there is something about the way that line is delivered along with the instrumental that does genuinely feel very relaxing and pleasant. I like that, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the annoying thing about this, I feel like the past two episodes, we really haven't had much in the way of Robbie's strangeness. Yeah. Um, post, po- like, past the insane, massive fountain yeah, well, of weirdness. Yeah, I think that's why and why it's understandable in a sense, is that he gave out the most explosive dose of strangeness possible, and the world said, fuck you, and he stayed indoors for three years because of it. <laughs> Like, he's obviously not going to come out swinging. Uh, I think we will get there eventually, but just, we, we needed like a couple of years for him to settle back into the yeah, pop yeah. Yeah, People need to re-accept him before he yeah. can fuck it up again. He needs to recharge a special move. <laughs> Every ten years he can bring out a Rudebox level insane. Oh, we, have we got Rudebox Part 2? Um, I wouldn't describe anything as Rudebox Part 2, but I think we do have stuff that will hit similar levels of strange. Okay, we, have, yeah. we do have some very strange stuff coming Good. our way. Good. But this... This isn't it. Album rating? Uh, I think 5 out of 10 for me. I think there is like a great 8 or 9 out of 10 um, like 6 track EP you can make yeah, from this. Yeah. I think 
if you I would maybe keep Underground Machine and add that to the first four tracks and then Love Love which is one of the songs we'll talk about in a second I think oh, if you add that you have a good EP but it, it just it gets very samey very boring in the back half That's, I think you, yeah. you stop feeling Robbie's influence as much then as well yeah. which is probably slip, why we like it less. slip to six I think I'm going for a six as well um, a lot of it like some of the stuff is really nostalgic for me and like holds a lot of like I've got nice memories with it. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's a thing where there's nothing I actively dislike, dislike, dislike. The way you feel about this this album is how I feel about reality. Yeah. Like they're, they're very similar. Like I, it's got some great stuff and it's got an incredible track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it just sort of fades away. It's yeah. it's like with reality. There's like three track run at the start is amazing and then there's some stuff that I really would just much rather not listen to yeah. and here there's a couple of tracks that are really good but there's nothing on here that for me hits as low as low as in reality That's how I, feel. I think it okay. averages out to the same score so yeah I'd go for 6 as well yeah. uh, so the album releases on the 15th of November 2010 it does debut at number 1 on the album's chart which I feel like was a given like, yeah. especially for the album it kind of had to it becomes the third fastest selling album of the century and the fifth fastest selling album of all time in the UK uh, it also becomes yeah. the biggest selling album of 2010 uh, selling over a million copies in 24 days again worth knowing it came out in November of 2010 and it wins 2010 and it, it's that yeah. biggest selling album of 2010 yeah. holy shit it's insane especially it, compared to like stuff like Rootbox this is the biggest selling Robbie product for a while it spends six weeks at number one and as of June 2011 so like just about like, just over half a year after the album came out it sold 2.8 million copies so it's massive success does really well uh, it's well received by critics also um, enemy like it they give it a 7 out of 10 uh, and it they do win a Brit during the album cycle for best British group and they were nominated for album as well but didn't win now oh no the weird Brit stuff he does is later isn't it because you all looked at me mm. away last yeah, 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 yeah a while from now yeah, yeah. yeah okay um, but there was like an additional thing to this album which is progressed which we've mentioned a bit which isn't a full album, it's an additional EP. It was kind of issued alongside a reissue of the main album on the 13th of June 2011. It's basically just eight unreleased tracks that they didn't put on the okay. album. Um, it's also, it sends progress back to number one, so it goes to number one again in June 2011. Um, and there are two singles for on it. One is Love Love, one is When We Were Young. When We Were Young is the only track with Robbie on lead vocals on the whole EP, which is kind of why we're not really talking about much of it, because yeah. yeah, yeah. it's not worth doing. Uh, but Love Love is the first single released from Progress 11th of May 2011 gets number 15 in the charts what um, do you think of it? I, I think there's some nice stuff I think the verses are way better than the choruses the... I actually like this chorus a lot this is one that I know somehow like I was familiar with this I think the reason is maybe because uh, fairly strangely it's used in the credits for X-Men First Class yeah I've I avoid the YouTube comments, but there was it was like I came from this song from X Men. I was like, Yeah, no, you didn't. Yeah, what about? one of the weirder things about Take That is they have a Matthew Vaughan connection, and I feel like he's definitely not the director you would associate with them. No, because he did Stardust in two thousand eleven, which um, they did uh, Rule they, the World for. Yeah, Rule the World. Oh, which I think is a great song. That, yeah, yeah, that um, is a good song. They do this for him, obviously. They also have a song in the Kingsman soundtrack a few years from now. It's just a connection you wouldn't really expect to happen because you know take that like very mum friendly and yeah. Matthew Vaughan is not that. Uh, <laughs> do you not do you not think Kingsman's very mum friendly? Uh, but yeah, so this is really specs my first class essentially. 
but I like it a lot. I think it's really good. Yeah, I have no real takes. I think it's, uh, I can't remember too much about it, but I do remember liking it overall. I did like it. But the video stuck out to me. Yeah, I think the video is interesting. I t I, to me, it feels like the most generic music video I've ever seen. Interesting. I kind of like it because, for one, it's a very wide aspect ratio. Oh, yeah. It's like, why didn't 235 to 1? I think it's, it might actually be 277. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just, it's lots of, like, neon colors and stuff. It's... It, for what it is, it's not the most interesting type of video, but I think it's a well-done version of that type of video. And Nathan, I don't think you saw it. I did watch it, I just can't remember it. Oh, okay. It's thing. basically it's just them in a the room, like there are like ago. lots of dancers around, there's neon colours. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, I watched two back-to-back, -back. I can't remember which one's which, which is why I normally make notes and probably should have. But yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's a, it's a good version of a, a boring yeah, video, yeah. yeah. Uh, then when the we lights were young, on the mics are cool. Yeah, when we were young, which again, it's worth talking about because it is a Robbie main vocal, but I don't think it's an interesting yeah, track at all. It's just the most generic, typical take that ballad. Yeah, this is what I expected the album to be. Yeah, I heard it was used in something. Yes, it was used for the 2011 film The Three Musketeers, huh. and it was apparently <laughs> That's written. That's a real film. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was apparently written after they saw. The movie, so it wasn't. So imagine by the movie. seeing the 2011 Three Musketeers and going, "We must write a song." <laughs> the there is a Gary Barlow quote where he says he him he sees take that themselves as a sort of version of the Musketeers. Well, eventually, <laughs> do they eventually become a three piece? I mean, we'll get onto that. Soon. Yeah. I I don't know. Does um, does someone take that die or something like? But so this is this is like I say the second single from Progress. It only gets 88 on the UK charts. Oh. I think that's the worst a Robbie song has yeah. charted. Uh, the video is it kind of has one interesting angle to it, where it's them performing in the stadium after the show is done. Yeah. So you see like all the rubbish on the floor and everything, which I feel like you don't really see that often. I like that angle yeah. to it, but otherwise it's just yeah, whatever. performance. Yeah. It's a boring treatment of an interesting idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is the opposite of the the first video. Mm, yeah. Just an interesting take on a boring idea. Kayak. Uh, so that's kind of the end of the recorded music stuff. Uh, Progress does spawn the Progress live show, which is a major, major, massive tour. Uh, it's across the UK and Europe. There are 35 shows in total. It's obviously the first tour to feature all five original members performing together in 16 years. And, again, we'll talk about this a bit more in a minute, it will be the final tour to feature both Jason Orange and Robbie Williams. Um, it sells 1.34 million tickets in less than 24 hours and quickly becomes the biggest tour in UK history. They play eight nights each at Etihad Stadium and Wembley Stadium in London, Jeez. which is fairly insane. All sold out nights. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're big. That's um, amazing. Which it breaks the previous record, which was held by Michael Jackson's Bad World Tour in 1988. Uh, the eight nights at Wembley saw take that break the record for the highest grossing residency by grossing £38 million from the London dates alone. Uh, at the conclusion of 2011, the tour was placed placed on Billboard's annual top 25 tours and appeared third worldwide, earning over 118 million with 29 shows, which is fairly impressive considering they didn't even do America. It's just Europe and UK they did. Yeah. Uh, and each member of the band apparently received 7.9 million pounds from the tour after tax, so it was a big earner for them. Uh, the Pet Shop Boys were supporting them on this tour, and it's kind of it's split up into an interesting. Way so the show begins with the four piece take that doing tracks from uh, Beautiful World and Circus uh, stuff that they did together. Then you get a solo Robbie set where he performs some of his own solo material 
and then they go into the main five-piece set for kind of the bulk of the show. Uh, another kind of major thing about this tour is they have a giant robot on stage. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. They have a giant robot called Om. O-M. Uh, it's animatronic, it moves and stuff. Uh, there are parts of the show where they go in the hands and it moves up and down while they're performing. Uh, I think the concept of it is meant to be like man going from like birth to standing up. Mm. So the robot begins the show sat down and it gradually goes and stands up. It is this massive thing. It's like, huge. It's, it's so huge. That they did it. It's, it's really massive. I'll show you some pictures, right? This is the scale of it. It's enormous. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what insane batshit person came up with that it's like for context it's really big it's huge it yeah. looks like one of those like artist models where they pose a little good man for like the, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the drawing uh, wow. there were some technical difficulties with it there oh one, really there was one show where Marco and Howard Donald were, were both trapped on it because the hands didn't go down I think this is a photo from that yep so they, they, had, they had to the stay hands. up performing while the rest of the time <laughs> on the ground so like 30 foot above them. <laughs> that's fucking um, great yep <laughs> uh, and after the tour, Robbie took the robot and put it in his garden in LA. So Robbie Williams apparently just has a big robot in his garden. <laughs> Joe Pesci has to look at that every day. <laughs> uh, but that tour, obviously very successful, it spawned a live album and a DVD of it as well. Yeah, I saw some footage from the tour. Uh, Robbie's solo set in it. He has the absolute titanium balls to do rude box. Yes, Robbie. He, he does some stunts in it as well. When Robbie comes in, he like bungee jumps down from the sky as like Mantatania comes in. Nice! It, it, look, it looks like a really expensive, cool show. They have like lots of costume changes. There's like a giant caterpillar thing that comes out at one point during the take that set. It, it's very strange, but looks very cool. Great. Uh, so that's kind of that. They do that, and the progress tour comes to an end. And there are obviously immediately questions about what's going to happen with take that going forward. Uh, there is in 2012 at the Olympics there's the closing ceremony yeah. to take that perform there I knew that and Robbie was supposed to join them but he had to cancel because it's around the time that Ida gives birth to their first child together oh uh, that's a shame um, which you know, obviously acceptable for him to do that uh, and then kind of when it gets closer to when take that next project starts looming people are still asking is Robbie going to be involved at this point Jason Orange has already said that he won't be particip participating anymore take that it hasn't been announced publicly, but he decided after Progress Live, he just didn't really want to do music anymore. And he retires from the music industry, essentially. Okay. Um, Gary is asked on TV at one point if Robbie will be back, and he says he has until the next May to decide. Which then is like twisted by the news into Robbie being offered an ultimatum by Take That. Mm. Like, that's what it becomes. And Robbie starts getting angry at this because he immediately sees that, oh, well, I'm going to be the one responsible for breaking up Take That again. Like it's going to be a stand for Robbie, is, is he willing to do it? Uh, so he offhandedly drops in an interview that Jason isn't coming back anyway, so it's not that big a deal. It hadn't been announced publicly at this point. Oh, wow. I didn't know so it becomes that. a fairly big PR fiasco for Take That. Um, they aren't happy with him. Uh, and ultimately, they don't reunite. Take That continue on as a three-piece without Jason Orange and Robbie. Um, they've kept the door open for reunions. They've said that like they they'd be willing to tour again for a specific anniversary as like a celebration of the band. That anniversary keeps getting changed. I think it was supposed to be the thirtieth anniversary, but that happened a few years ago. Uh, the one thing they kind of get together again, uh, but without Jason Orange because it seems like he just has no interest in it whatsoever. Earlier this year, they did like a lockdown Zoom concert thing that Robbie oh. joined them for, um, but that's. 
the most they've officially done together is take that since this album. But it does seem to be like far less acrimonious than it was at the start. Mm-hmm. It seems like they, they wouldn't have a problem talking to each other or yeah. anything. It's just that, you know... So. There is still involvement between like Robbie and Gary specifically as we go forward. They don't fall out. Yeah, it's, much. it's not a fallout. Yeah. They just no longer want to work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You do get the sense that, like, like we said, the main reason Robbie did this was because he was in such a shaky place after Rude Box. Yeah. He just needed kind of some semblance of routine to get back in the mix of things. And rather than go out on his own and perform, which, as we talked about a lot, he kind of hates doing. He doesn't really like touring himself. Doing it with other people would allow him the yeah. opportunities to get more comfortable with it, it so like he can come back in full force. Right place, right time, you know? Yeah. Uh, something you reminded me of when you mentioned that um, he couldn't you know, commit to things because Ida was giving birth at the time. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of this, which is quite possibly the greatest video ever. Uh, you, you guys kind of need to see this. Uh... uh. That's We're going to talk one. about this in a future episode. Okay, I yeah. saw. I never listened to it with the sound on. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck are you just showing me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that will be in the next episode. I think we'll talk about. Apologies. I yes. didn't... What the fuck? I'll even include the audio from the video because yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. won't get copyright. It was like a fraction <laughs> yeah, of a second. We'll be fine. Man. Yeah. Uh, Just to explain to the viewer, there are certain videos of Robbie Williams in the hospital room with Ida while his wife is getting ready to give birth. And <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about them in the future because there is some interesting stuff to them. I stumbled upon it when I was looking at the Daily Motion stuff. Yeah. And I just saw it and I was like, this is some uh, of the you best. You always had to go on Daily Motion. It's going to yeah, get dark next yeah. week. Weirdly, Daily Motion is a pretty good Robbie Williams resource. I found some weird that, stuff that, like. That feels particularly on brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a video that I don't know if we ever will have context for. Do you know the one I sent you? The phone call one? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that yeah. one. I don't know if we'll ever have context for that, but that, that is an interesting one to look at at some point. But, yeah. But, uh. Right. God, so, we, have, have we. Gone down the take that hole. Um, yeah, I'm just... that's, that's pretty much us closing the door on take that. Like I say, we've explained forward just because they don't get back together for <laughs> the time being. I've just realised how perfect that clip is as a teaser for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you guys, I've mentioned candy before, and you guys get touchy about it. So I think something <laughs> might happen. <laughs> like I don't, I only know Candy is this weird pop hit, which I also I've told you guys this. Um, I don't remember you said it on my. I thought it was by Oli Mers. <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize it was a Robbie Williams song, yeah. <laughs> which I think is something we'll definitely have to discuss going forward. Yeah. I imagine mm-hmm. will come up. So yeah. Also, is it? I think it's Socrate this weekend. The weekend we're recording. It's happening soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's if it's this week or next week. Just just if you want to place when we actually recorded this episode, Socrate's about to happen. So oh, just, just a little bit of new Robbie content then. Yeah, yeah just a little yeah, bit of yeah. interest and just just for you guys, get your research on. Soccer aids either like this weekend or next weekend. Do you think we'll play like uh, football over Zoom? <laughs> no, I think they're playing actual football. They already did do a FIFA one, I think, via Zoom. Oh, did they? Wow. Yeah. Um, I think they're actually playing. I saw a video of training yesterday because someone who's like YouTube famous was training on it and like they were taking the piss out of them. Morg's mum. I don't know who that is. Okay. Really not on the YouTube scene, sorry. <laughs> I don't even know how I begin to explain Morg's mom. But, um, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, so, okay, we've pretty much gone through yeah. progress. And so, okay. 
Thanks for joining us this time. Next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming by looking at a Robbie solo album. So this time it'll be his 2012 album, his ninth studio album, Take the Crown. I've been Matthew. I've been Jonathan. And I've been Nathan. See you next time, down the Robbie hole. Thank you.